My friend from Manchester, his name is Liam. He won't be scarlet for me saying this. Okay, I'm very like, proud about his sex. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he um ha- got that made of his own penis, so he rides himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he loves telling people this. Welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to the show this week social media guru and influencer James Kavanagh and founder and owner of sexshopper.ie, Shauna Scott. A little bit later on, we'll be talking to Ireland's best known and most celebrated pole dancer, Arlene Caffrey. If you haven't guessed it yet, the show is a little bit sexy this week. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about so we're going to kick things off with a game. Oh, I was meant to ask you before we started recording. So this is a game that we play that gets everyone comfortable. It's called Six Words or Less. It's for our readers and our listeners who may not know you. So James, we're mm-hmm. going to start with you. So six words or less, describe yourself. Oh my gosh. Uh, I normally, like I normally <laughs> tee, tee this up Warm a little less. bit before. Uh, okay, six words or less. Uh, excitable. Furry sometimes, <laughs> not on the bodiness, but usually on the jacket. Yeah, it's furry today. Uh, shiny, uh, <laughs> uh, easily distracted. <laughs> That's two, isn't it? Yeah. But sure, whatever. Excitable, uh, furry, shiny, easily distracted. Easily distracted. Hungry. Hungry all yeah. the time that for comes up all a lot. sorts of everything. Mm. Uh, and thirsty. And thirsty. I'm always thirsty. I love that there was a lot of texture in your six words. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Shauna, six words or less? Um, that girl that sells the vibrators. Ah. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I Everyone's like, it there. <laughs> we are going to be talking about your vibrators, don't worry. So, James, you've been a part of a conversation recently about sex education and sexual health in Ireland, and you're using your Snapchat to reach people who are asking all about the birds and the bees. How did that come about in the beginning? So I was snapping about it was actually came about from a Joe.e article. So, really? Yeah. So okay. I remember they put up something about um, mental health being added onto the curriculum. Yeah. Um a couple of hours a week or something were gonna be added compulsory, which I was like, that's brilliant. And I was just Snapchatting about it. Um and then I was just also Snapchatting about my general school experience and I was Snapchatting about how bad my sex education was. I remember we had our um you know, our kind of embarrassed science teacher wheel in this this video thing and put it on and it was literally just a video about a vagina and a penis and how it made a baby and that was literally it we were just told that's how you make a baby and that's kind of what you do with your bodies when you're having sex there was nothing else there wasn't a whisper of a blowjob or there was you know no one was touching on gay sex or anything like that and it was your science teacher it was my science teacher I was taught by a nun oh yeah my sexual education came to me they know all about sex from Sister Mary yeah so it was uh, not very informative I have to say and not very thorough I'd say exactly Uh, which was the same for me and I I have a lot of younger listeners um, or younger followers who, you know, are about 16 or whatever. So they're in school. So I was I was kind of wondering if it had improved. Um, so I Snapchat and I was like, can you tell me, if, is your sex education good? Is it, has it gotten thorough or whatever? So the majority I got back said their sex education was still the same. It was still, some of them were still shown the same video I was shown, um, wow. which is just penis plus vagina equals yeah. baby. That's it. Um, so... Um, I decided I'd maybe teach them about sex education on my Snapchat because the the misinformation that I was getting back was insane. So, you know, I was I, I started to give sex education lessons 
of it Thursday on my Snapchat and I was saying things like you know you can get STIs from giving head and things like that and they thought I some people thought I was lying or joking you know they just thought you could get STIs and stuff from from penetrative sex that just shows how much they didn't know yeah so they it still hadn't improved now in case some teachers are listening to this I know some teachers are amazing and there are brilliant teachers out there who are teaching good sex education but what I found is by in large it's still really bad and there's still taboos about teaching sex in school. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, Shauna, you might be able to help us out with this because mm. you were telling me that you grew up in Seattle. That's where yeah. you're from. And I mean, I know, James, I don't know if you'd be the same as me, but growing up in Ireland, we'd watch movies, American movies. And I always thought it was interesting where you see the kids in school with the bananas or the cucumbers and the teachers are like throwing condoms at them Mm. and being like here's how you put it on and I just remember being there thinking well Sister Mary didn't show me that (laughs) and also that would have been really helpful because the first time you try and navigate a condom I didn't know what to do I mean, we we didn't we didn't have that Um, the the condom on a banana thing we didn't do. They showed us condoms, but not how to use them. Still better than Ireland. That's true, and I and I do think that I had a, a relatively good sex education. We had what I considered comprehensive sex ed for the late 90s anyway um, and it was our, our health teacher that, that taught us but then they, they'd followed it up with an abstinence only educator who was like a guest speaker who would come into the school so we, we learned all about sex and how it worked and everything and then we had a guy this middle-aged guy like Christian guy come in and tell us that you're not meant to have sex before marriage so we were getting like really conflicting information yeah 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 and then he was like talking about like sex with his wife and like swinging from chandeliers and stuff and I was just like who is this guy and I looked him up last year and he's still giving talks the same guy is still going around I think the- you might have tweeted this or something I did I was yeah. talking to you about it last year on your snapchat yeah he's still he still exists and he's still going around 20 years later like it's swinging uh, off chandeliers having the best time wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a funny one though I mean I think like the abstinence thing is interesting because being taught sex education by none it was very much like family planning mm. so it was if you're going to have sex you will 100% have a baby so they they taught us about the biology of it now this was you know a while back they taught us about the biology of it and then they were like and then at the end of it you will have a baby so I mean just yeah. not enough education but I'd be interested to know James what are the kind of questions that you're getting in then from people on Snapchat I mean is it is it really kind of like the nitty gritty sex stuff that people want to know about? Not even like it's scary that it's so basic. Things like, um, you know, if if both if, if two people are virgins, can they generate an STI? Um, can you get HIV from kissing? Like things like that. Yeah. that you know, you're like, oh, my God, you, why but you feel like should thought? be very basic knowledge? Yeah. I, I was talking to a secondary school guidance counselor at like a burlesque show of all of all places mm-hmm. and she was telling me like teenagers just aren't talking to each other about sex like they don't they're they're not communicating in bed and part of that is like a huge part of that is the fact that they don't talk to them in school they don't they don't have the vocabulary um necessary to like articulate what they want and to advocate for themselves to advocate like young women especially to advocate for their own pleasure and like to to 
tell their partners their boundaries and the same with with guys yeah and it's it's also if you look at the statistics like the age group that's being failed in schools um is the same age group that uh, stis are on the rise yeah. mm-hmm. so you know they're they're being ignored in in sexual health and then they're going out and they're getting stis because they don't know how to protect themselves and they don't know they don't know what kind of sex is sex but it's just crazy like you know we do science and 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 food and stuff and skills sex is a huge part of life why is it being ignored it amazes me that they're they're pushing so hard for mental health which is fabulous it's Mm. wonderful that like we're we're finally like talking about mental health and um but a huge part of that is like relationships and like how your interpersonal relationships either through friendships or sexual relationships or whatever it's just such a massive part of mental health it just amazes me that it's not part of the curriculum yeah. well I mean I, I do hope that things are changing and, and I think they definitely have changed since uh, since I was in secondary school but what was so funny about it and about the lack of sex education that we got there was in my year probably by the time I was doing mocks there was three or four girls in the year who were pregnant heavily pregnant at Christmas mm. exams like we were all like oh god are you alright um, thought they were going to pop um, and that obviously just stemmed from the fact that you know they just didn't have the education and they got yeah. pregnant and I mean that was another thing that we found so ironic because it was an Irish girls Catholic school run by nuns sex educated by nuns yeah. and then there was a bunch of pregnant girls and also didn't have the option to not continue the pregnancy well, not, well I mean that was know? the whole other thing yeah. um, Sean I want to talk to you about sex shop a little bit before we get into sex myths because yeah. we kind of touched on it there and I do want to get back to that so sexshopper.ie, tell me about it. I mean, I read on your on your site that you started it because there was a lack of things that you wanted, I suppose, or, yeah. or you couldn't really find anything in the Irish market. So. I, I am my best customer. Yeah. So um, I started the business, uh, it's actually five years ago this month. Wow. So happy birthday happy to me. Birthday. I'm just going to pat myself on the back. Yeah. Um, five years ago this month and um, about a year previous to that, I was in the market for a vibrator and I didn't there weren't any shops in Dublin that really kind of suited me it seemed to be lots of pinks and purples and very like high femme um which is fine it just seems to be very overrepresented and then you have the kind of the, the shops along like Capel Street that seem to be very male dominated spaces and weren't a really comfortable shopping experience yeah for me so i when I was back home visiting in Seattle, we have Babeland, which is our big female-founded sex shop, and I went there, and the staff were all really knowledgeable and just lovely, and um, it really natural light in a shop really makes a difference. I yeah. noticed the sex shops in in Ireland. I, they are kind of dark and also whenever I've gone into them I've felt a little bit self-conscious and a little bit yeah. like I'm walking around and then all of a sudden I'm in like a really heavy kind of yeah. BDSM section and then I, I panic and I leave that section and then I buy something because I don't want them to think that I'm just coming in for the laugh for I'm God. 31 yeah. years of age like I shouldn't be embarrassed by this yeah. so then I'll just buy like edible underwear and run away <laughs> Yeah, it's usually edible underwear and I, and, I, and I never use it do you go in hungry? <laughs> I'm thirsty yeah. all right <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah and then a, um, a, another big part of it was I, I wanted to buy a vibrator that was made from body safe materials because just in doing my own like product research uh, realized that the, the industry as a whole is largely unregulated okay so making sure to, to buy a vibrator for myself that was made from silicone so body safe you mean so like safe for insertion safe for insertion so the same materials that you use in your kitchen 
are the materials that you want in your sex toys. So like silicones, hard plastics, that kind of thing. And what have you found has been the reaction? I mean, we've we've run a bunch of articles on her.ie yeah. about sexshopper.ie. We like we think it's so refreshing. But what has been the reaction from Irish men and women to to sex shopper? Really, really positive. I've yeah. been really lucky um, and that I haven't had too much negativity and most of the negativity comes from Twitter but Twitter's a negativity hole so that's to be expected yeah Uh, (laughs) but like from the media and just general like people that I meet at events and things it's been overwhelmingly positive Um, so I I do like I really feel like Ireland is much more liberal than we give ourselves credit for yeah uh, which is it's good to know it's great yeah Yeah. are you going to set up like a a physical shop though because I know it's all online which is great but it would be nice to have uh, like what you just said, space. natural light, a oh, space that you would go in. That was like my my dream when I first started was yeah. to have the the whole space and natural light. I wanted like a little boutique on Drury Street. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the goal. And then I realized I can't afford that. Um, pop up. Yeah. I yeah. could do I could do a pop yeah. up, and I think some someday I probably will do a pop up. But I really really love doing online, and that was something that I never expected that I would love to do. I just started it as like um, a really like low budget way of doing the shop, but I quickly realized that like because of that, I can choose my own hours. Yeah, um, I can serve customers from all across the country and in the UK as well. Yeah, um, I I get phone calls from people from from all over the country who said like tell me I would never be caught dead walking into a sex shop but I saw you in such and such a magazine or I saw you on her.ie and I I like I'm phoning you now because you yeah. made me like hearing your voice has made me feel comfortable yeah. to, to shop for a sex toy I would love to see it as a space that you could walk in yeah in my head like sex shop like there's such good positive vibes about it and it is light and approachable exactly yeah and like you were saying earlier like when you go into some sex shops there's this heavy atmosphere and you kind of feel like you're going in to buy a gun or something yeah like (laughs) not like something fun and normal completely normal yeah and so there is this air of shame or something there is you know there's some of them that are totally like blocked out windows and adult only and ring the buzzer and yeah yeah I, I would love to see it like a normal clothes shop because if Dublin County me it should be yeah. so there's two things working against me if Dublin County Council or Dublin City Council will give me the permits to do it I will absolutely do it and if someone wants to give me a rake of cash to do it <laughs> I think we should start a campaign we'll start yeah. a campaign and we'll get it going but I, I do want to talk about that thing that you touched on there James Shame a little bit later on in the show but firstly let's talk about myths yes <laughs> I just love sex myths because I am a terrible woman for believing everything that I hear yeah. I'm a journalist, so that's, that's not exactly that's a not good great. Thing. <laughs> not a great thing as a journalist, but anyway. So a few of the myths that I think are kind of the biggest ones um, that we'll talk about. So one of the myths, we ran this piece on her.ie and it did so well because I think so many people are interested in this. People talk about it amongst their friends. They want to know if this myth, and they want to know if anybody's experienced it. So a big myth is the bigger the better. So this is one of the biggest sexual myths around is that size matters when it comes to sex. So in reality, a bigger penis may not actually make sex better it can in fact be painful or indeed more awkward so I'm just going to go straight and ask for your guys experience do you think bigger is better um, I, Mom, don't listen. <laughs> yeah, shush, Mom. I know she will be as well. I personally think it's kind of like how you use it. Um, like, I've had all sorts of shapes and sizes in my time. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, 
I've been with a guy with a big penis and you know sometimes sometimes I can just use it like a jackhammer and it's just like ow like that's not nice <laughs> you know but then there's someone with a medium sized one who can use it amazingly yeah whatever. so there was another myth that we ran and it, the myth is called he needs a rest and it's a common myth that men can only orgasm once I didn't know this however this is because people are mistaking ejaculation with orgasm so while it is true that men are limited to how much sperm they can release he can still experience orgasms without ejaculating I never knew that hold I, my hands up I was really excited about this topic because I was in Norway last month um, giving a talk and the moderator for our talk was a guy who had written a book called Multi-Orgasms for Men or whatever the Norwegian translation of that was he was yeah. a guy who had suffered from erectile dysfunction in his early 20s um, he had really low self-esteem and it was causing erectile dysfunction and then through um Figuring that uh, that all out, he realized that he could have multiple orgasms and and, and wrote a book on it. Um, and then the other thing about men needing a rest, believe it or not, men actually do need a rest um, because when they ejaculate, a protein in their um, pituitary gland called prolactin is released and it causes that sleepy feeling. So it's not because he doesn't care about you when he rolls <laughs> over and falls asleep. It's literally a biological thing. There's prolactin being it's released science. in the brain. It's science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, again, proving that we just need to be more educated on everything, you know? Absolutely. Then, there, then you'd understand why someone's rolling over or yeah. you know it's because the pituitary yeah. see yeah. I've learned something I'm already. learning too <laughs> okay I do want to take a quick break now when we come back I want to talk a little bit about sex shame but first I was trying to think of the perfect sports person to talk to on the sexiest episode that we've ever had so I've always been interested in pole dancing so I started researching and instantly Arlene Caffrey's name appeared she is the woman for pole dancing in Ireland I caught up with her earlier in the week to talk fitness strip club origins and empowerment Pole dancing legend Arlene Caffrey joins me now in studio. She's the founder of the Irish Pole Dance Academy and also a former Miss Pole Dance Ireland. Arlene, I want to know everything about pole dancing. But first, how did you get into it originally? Sure. Well, firstly, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here on such a, an awesome episode. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did I first get into pole dancing? That's a. It's kind of a long story, but in short... I'll try to condense it. Okay. Um, I was in art college. I was studying graphic design. That was what I, I did. I was always one of those, I guess, classic nerd would be the best way to describe me. Um, <laughs> You're calling all best nerd. Graphic designers nerds now. <laughs> um, those are your words, not mine. <laughs> Anywho. So, yeah, I was in art college and I guess I was always one of those slightly left of field or looking to be different kind of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so different. So um, I was doing some yoga classes just to help manage stress and keep fit and whatnot. And my yoga instructor at the time was saying that she was going to the UK to do this certification in teaching this thing called pole fitness. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, what's that? And she described it, oh, it's dancing around a pole like you would see in in movies or strip clubs and all that kind of stuff. So I guess that was what got me interested. You know, you've seen films like... Um, Sin City or that White Stripes music video with Kate Moss yeah. dancing around you're like yeah that it's looks cool yeah yeah. so that was how I got interested in it just on the off chance I suppose curiosity and it's funny because you said there pole fitness and stuff I mean these classes that, that you would have at the academy I mean technically it is pole fitness but is there a reason why it's not 
or is it still called pole dancing or do you try and kind of keep it away from that to, to try and keep it away from the strip club association? That's a really good question and that comes down to, I guess it's, it's semantics really. People call it pole fitness, pole dancing, pole sport, pole art, pole gymnastics. Yeah. Um, it depends on whatever school of thought you're in, I suppose. Um, I would say pole dancing because I very much view what I do as dancing with the pole. Yeah, it, it does involve fitness. And yes, it is a sport. Absolutely. If you're going to do it, you will get into the best shape of your life. Yeah. But I think it's nice to honour where it came from and not try to to sugarcoat it or be a hypocrite and be like, oh, well, I'm not a stripper or I'm better than a stripper because I'm doing it for fitness. Yeah. Um, I think you have to acknowledge where it came from and pay homage to the to the women who were strippers who had this great idea of turning it into a more... I guess, accessible, keep fit activity for the rest of us. So you travel around and you compete, don't you, in competitions? Yeah, that's right. I've had a quite an extensive competitive career, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been to New Zealand. I've been to Russia. I've been all over the USA. Um, on my last tour, I was mostly in the USA. I've been to Argentina. Pretty much everywhere. And so it's an amazing community. In terms of like the competitive aspect of it, how are how is it judged? So is it judged on different moves that you can perform? Is it is it is there a point system? Like how would you compete? And also, how competitive is it? Great question. Um, yeah, it's pretty competitive. I would say like now more than ever, there's more competitions than you can shake a stick at. Yeah, it depends very much on the the competition in question. Um, there is a school of thought that's more like let's get Paul into the Olympics, and they have a very strict point system where it's yeah like gymnastic style it's all about measuring angles and right. very technical like you can kind of guess what score you're going to get by your choreography so right, very okay. mechanical I suppose um, and then other competitions are a bit more free-flowing it's more about like the story you're telling or how you interpret the music which is to me that's more my cup of tea that's what floats my boat I was watching videos pretty much all day yesterday on pole dancing everyone in the office thought I was uh, like a you freak sucked down the, oh, the yeah. rabbit hole if, if anybody <laughs> was walking by behind me they would have thought that I was not working basically and just having the best time but I was watching these videos and they are so empowering and it was so like it really made me want to go and get on a pole and I think what I find great about what these women are doing is like it's very sexy I mean you can't deny that it is very sexy but it's almost like they're being sexy for themselves as opposed to trying to be sexy for anybody else. Do you find that? I mean, is it like I got empowered just watching it, but I would imagine being up there, it gives you a great sense of empowerment. Oh, I think that's nice that you got that from watching it. Yeah. Um, now, I watched some really sexy ones as well, which I think I kind of stumbled into the bad part of the internet for a second, but I got myself back out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it very much is a, a thing that people are doing for themselves. They're not doing it to like impress their boyfriends or... Yeah. I don't know, because they, they think they should be sexy or something like that. I think it's quite common that um, women hit a point in their adulthood where we've been told maybe like from maybe, I don't know, a young age, even as young as maybe five years old or even younger, like, oh, you know, sexuality is bad. Mm. Don't be, you know, looking at boys or be touching yourself or close your legs or sit up straight. And when you turn into an adult, you kind of reach a point where you're like, excuse me I was like fuck where did it all go I don't feel sexy I don't feel like myself anymore there's yeah. a such a disconnection of of who we are from even just our bodies and what they can do and I think pole dancing is a great way to bring some of that 
I guess, classic sexy movement back into our daily lives, which, well, we wouldn't be doing anyway because, oh, that's not allowed in Catholic Ireland. Yeah, I know. But yeah, it's a great way to connect with like your pelvis, especially like all your core muscles and all that strength that's in there in your bodies and to realise that, yeah, you're actually pretty strong and you can do amazing things if you want to, not just, you know, physically, but mentally as well. So it's really nice to get people connected with their bodies and with just with their sexuality again. I do want to talk about the fitness element of it a little bit. So you said there about your core strength and I would imagine you need a huge amount of upper body strength as well. And actually when I met you in person, Arlene, I was really happy to see that you're kind of like the same height as me. You're not crazy tall because I, I think that maybe do you need really, really long legs to be a pole dancer or or maybe just looks visually. Anyway, the videos that I was looking at, I was just like... I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I'd be able to like wrap my legs around a pole successfully, but clearly you do it. What do you get in terms of strength and in terms of fitness if you were to start tomorrow, for example? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that's the question we get asked the most often when we're on the phone, like, oh, but I don't have upper body strength. Can I do it? Or yeah. I'm not strong or I'm not this, I'm not that. Again, it goes back to what we're we're being told to tell ourselves, like, you're, you're X, Y and Z because yeah. you're a woman. And anyways, that's kind of a, a separate tangent. But yeah, you don't need to have upper body strength or core strength to do our classes. That's kind of why you come. Um, I didn't have it. Yeah. I was doing some yoga, as I mentioned, but I was, I've kind of sucked at it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Yoga's hard. <laughs> I was pretty terrible yeah. at it. But um, yeah, like you don't need to have it. Like if you do, great, like power to you. I'm delighted for you. But um, that's what we do in our classes, help you to build it at a very sustainable rate like we're not going to throw you upside down on the pole on your first day like get up there now and yeah it's all very controlled and yeah I like to teach people how to listen to their own bodies and to be familiar with what their bodies can do so building strength at your own pace and learning what your body is actually doing rather than just I don't know I guess mindlessly copying what the teacher is doing and going yeah. through the movements and finally before I let you go I want to ask you about some of the moves I was trying to get my head around the lingo um and I couldn't so what are the moves that you found the most challenging or was there one thing that took you a really long time to get? Mm, that's a good question. And what are, their, what are they called? What are their names as well? Yeah, <laughs> pole dancing moves have really great names. They're usually named after the people who invented them. So you've got moves like, you know, Jamila or Jade or kind of nice that's pretty so names cool. like that. Um, then other ones have less pretty names like the violator is one of them oh which <laughs> the violator yeah Can you just explain that to open. me okay it's, yeah so you climb the pole and you sit on it and you really tuck your pelvis under so that the pole is kind of like the main contact point is your your bum I okay. suppose or like the the gluteal folds that's what we'll call it <laughs> <laughs> so you're holding on with your arms and your legs are open and so you're yeah, kind of balancing with your legs open. So nice legs and wide. open like this, yeah. yeah. The violator. Mm, I kind of like that. I yeah, like the name it's of a it. cool one. It's yeah. an awesome name. <laughs> and was, is that was a tough one for you to get your? Yeah, it's actually a relatively easy one. It's one of those ones that looks kind of crazy, but um, yeah, I just think the name is beautiful. Yeah. But um, yeah, for me, I guess anything to do with flexibility was really hard for me. I'm not naturally flexible, but again, so was 90% of the world not naturally flexible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so tell us now before you go for our readers and our listeners of Her.E how they can get in touch with you and how they can get in touch with the Academy if they want to maybe take up pole dancing in the new year. The best way would be to call us on the phone. Um, the number is on the website, but to give it to you quickly, it's 083-187-3602. We love to chat on the phone. We're I guess that's kind of our preferred mode of communication. We just yeah. like to get to know people in person and make sure that we're a good fit for you as 
as well as you being a good fit for us like it has to work yeah we wanted to work both ways yeah. and for everybody to have a good fun there's no point you signing up and realising oh I don't like this or ah this isn't right for me so yeah we want to make sure you have a, an awesome time and you have all the information before you sign up and it's but the yeah. Irish Pole Dance Academy yeah so the website is irishpoledanceacademy.com and we've got loads of information on there um, yeah you can email us as well we're on Facebook we love Facebook so feel free to shoot us any questions that you have in advance and yeah we'd be happy to speak and to you and you're on Instagram as well yourself oh yes we're on Instagram and Brilliant. I'm on Instagram too it's just at Arlene Caffrey because I'm not one of those how would you say creative people in that regard where it's like <laughs> it's just oh, my name the blah 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 the dancer it's just my name <laughs> and are you going to be travelling much then in 2018 what are your plans yeah hopefully that's the plan is to go back to the, the USA next summertime okay. yeah I'm just hoping they hurry up with the, the dates for the referendum because I feel like I can't make any plans until I know when that's going to be <laughs> I know I think you're with a lot of women on that one hopefully that will be soon Arlene well thank you so much for coming in and I will see you on the poll well you'll be on the poll and I will probably be sitting on the ground beside the pole but hopefully I one know. day we'll get you there you'll we get can, me there we can get you there thanks very much Arlene <laughs> thanks Emil okay so we're back I want to talk a little about sex and shame and as a nation a predominantly Catholic nation still there's always been a little bit of shame surrounding owning our own sexuality and talking loud and talking proud about the fact that we do have sex and we have a lot of sex. And um, We ran a piece on site a while back about what men feel about women who carry condoms and I thought it was really inter- interesting. The research which was carried out by Jurex actually found that men find girls who carry condoms confident and attractive with 79% saying that they thought it was a turn on for a girl to insist on wearing condoms. I mean, I think this is an interesting topic because it's kind of like what we were discussing earlier about the education that we're getting in schools and and kind of about and I think a lot of it is rooted in our history as a nation it's almost still a little bit of a taboo subject I felt shame going in and buying condoms before mm. and it's something that I'm kind of ashamed to admit but I definitely have yeah and same like yeah. I felt that as well but I really not to harp on again but like I think it's really gra- it's about grassroots here it's about going it's about teaching kids from a young age yeah. in schools um about sex and about the the dangers and the positives and the brilliant things about sex yeah. um and it's also about parents just like swallowing their like scarletness for a minute yeah. um and actually having conversations with their kids oh, uh, oh she's just thrown condoms on I, the table I carry condoms with Shana, me. you carry condoms with you I thought you guys kind of missed a trick with that article when it was like titled what do men really think of women who, yeah. who carry condoms like my answer is literally who gives a fuck <laughs> like, like sorry I didn't I, write I, it I didn't I, write it can I swear on this podcast is that okay yeah like, swear yeah. I um, yeah I, I think any any man who is going to throw a fit or like have an or take issue with a woman who carries a condom is really intimidated by your confidence do not put up with that bullshit do not sleep with that person if they if they get on your back about about carrying a condom, that but, would but be it's, my opinion. It's kind of about one night stands though as well. Like one night stands are definitely looked down at, like looked down on by society, no matter what. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And if you're safe and if you're consenting adults, you shouldn't be looked down on by how many sexual partners you have or who you choose to have sex with. But the fact is, is that you are. Like people consider you to be smutty or they consider you to be a slut because of that. And you know, I don't want to make this into a, a man versus 
woman thing mm. But it's different for a woman if you're having one night stands. It just seems to be. And I just don't know if that's ever going to change. What do you think? Yeah, I, like one night stands to me is completely fine. Yeah. You know, they are completely fine. Um, I, 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 again, I think it's a very Irish thing yeah. to have that kind of shame around having a one night stand. But yeah, if you're safe and you're, you know, you're being respectful to the person you're having a one night stand with, then what is the problem? There, Like, you know, I don't think there is a problem. I wonder if it's an age group thing as well because like I'm I'm in my 30s and like I I just feel like once you hit your 30s nobody cares anymore as much because we're all kind of in the same boat yeah and I wonder if if it's kind of again like a 16 to 24 year olds kind of uh shame at the moment I'm just I'm just talking out of my ass here yeah. like I I, ha- I literally like have no statistics or numbers or anything to, to back this up um, but because because we're not talking about it in school it takes that much longer to, to kind of get over that shame yeah. and once you hit your 30s you're just like whatever yeah. and then there is the kind of like talk around you know on the first date are you allowed to go back to the person's house and yeah. of course you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want exactly, you know yeah. go, go should home I text them the next day yes do yeah. do you want to do it yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you don't want to and that's absolutely fine as well Yeah, it's a weird thing that's kind of changed because I remember being in secondary school and being slagged for being a frigid so you'd know this word yeah uh, did you know that frigid? seems to be a uniquely Irish thing yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. so you were slagged basically I remember girls holding up their hands and like you'd like tick off and then they would judge you on whether you were frigid or not so it was almost like in second in my Catholic secondary school <laughs> we were trying to like be as sexy as we could so I lied loads of, like I was very late to the game and then like you were saying Shauna when you get to your 30s you almost just don't really care that much I know you're not 30 James so. yeah yeah well I'm nearly I'm 28 <laughs> yeah. but like you say like there is this like hyper sexualness that happens in school mm. obviously because everyone's going through hormones and stuff and everyone's talking about sex and whispering about it mm. but like the reason why it's like you know there's there's kids going around the bushes like doing bits and bobs is because there's such a taboo a heavy taboo from the authority people in yeah. younger people's lives and when you say something is not allowed enough people want to go and try it out and want to do it and that's where the kind of danger happens yeah. because they're not actually taught what to do or how to do it or how to protect themselves so you so, feel a pressure to almost go and like do something that you're definitely not emotionally probably ready yeah. for as well like the opposite is happening so like the you know teachers and and people who and the authority figures in younger people's lives who don't want sex to be discussed and the more they say uh, don't discuss it and don't do it the more it's going to happen yeah. and the, so, le- the less safe it's going and to the be less safe for it's them gonna be. yeah like um in the in the states if you look at the the CDC the Center for D- Disease Controls like their their maps of the United States that show STI rates and um teenage pregnancies the highest rates are in the bible belt no surprise there. Yeah. It's like it's that where makes you, perfect it's sense. It's where like the most amount of abstinence only education is being invested in. And yeah. that like yeah. There's one thing as well that I think, and again, it's kind of, uh, maybe it's not uniquely Irish, but whatever about one night stands and whatever about sex and kind of, you know, 
being your own sexual person um, masturbation is just not I don't think it's spoken about well it's definitely not there are friends that I still have that when we talk about it they go completely red and they just won't talk about it. every person masturbates <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've yet to find somebody who doesn't to be honest with <laughs> yeah. you and I just don't know what that kind of taboo around it is but maybe it is just an Irish thing but you get to be in your own head and make up your own fantasies and stuff and you know exactly how you like to be pleasured as well so speaking of masturbation we did run a piece on her.e about the amazing vibrator that you have in your shop. Mm-hmm. So I would like you to tell us about the amazing vibrators that you have in your shop that people can get. Ooh, which ones? I have many. <laughs> Do you know, my favorite one was the little heart one. Yeah. So what is that? Tell me about so it. So it's a, it's a tiny little like heart-shaped one. I'm trying to think like what is it? I'd say it's roughly the size of a condom. Yeah, about the size of a condom, but it's like it's heart-shaped. And uh, yeah, it's just a little clitoral vibe. If you want something that's like super discreet that you can throw in your handbag, and is USB rechargeable. Yeah, <laughs> the, the essential. Heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I tell. Like, because like USB rechargeable vibrators are a godsend because yeah. it just it means you can travel anywhere with. Them. And you're always in bed on your laptop. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You can charge it at work. <laughs> Tell me about what you told me right before we came on air about the uh, undisclosed media outlet, which we won't say, got in touch with you about a new form of dildo that's coming or like we don't know whether it's real or not. But Oh, it, oh, it's definitely real. Um, I'd be interested to know, James, if you would want to use this dildo. Yeah. Go on. It's a dildo that you can send them a picture of yourself or your partner and they will 3D print the person's face on the end of it. So I've it's seen like, it, yeah. Like a bobblehead. Yeah, yeah, the bobblehead dildo. I haven't yeah. seen it, so it's real. Yeah. It's real. I yeah. think it's it's like a PR stunt. The website's only existed for like a couple of months. Um, like all of their all of their media like promo stuff is only a couple of months old. Wow. So I don't, I, I yeah. Because I've heard about the, the clone willies. The yeah. ones where you can like get a clone of your partner's penis. My friend from Manchester, his name is Liam. He won't be scarlet for me saying this. Okay, he's very like, proud about his sex. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he no, he tells everyone this with with pride. But he um ha- got that made of his own penis, so he rides himself. <laughs> <laughs> And he loves telling people this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever heard. I know, I kind of want to ride myself. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't know if I can, but yeah. I mean... Um, I know, I kind of love the idea of getting your, your partner's face printed on, on a dildo. I, I think it's kind of fun. I would get Tom Hardy's probably. Oh. Or, you know, so you know, a fantasy person or whatever. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the great thing as well about masturbation. It is about fantasy. So what are your best performing ones? Because there's the Fun Factory Jupy as well. That's, that's yeah, a fun one. Yeah, the, the Jupy's great. Um, it's just a little Check battery, out, James, battery operated one. Um, uh, my, it's, so, um, it's very cost. It I looks think. fun, very doesn't minimal. it? Yeah. My favourite is the um, is the Miss Buy, the Fun Factory Miss Buy, um, which I just got this year? Yeah, oh, the start nice. the start of mm. this year. It's that's like, it, yeah? That's it, yeah. Mm. So it's like a rabbit style vibrator. Um, I love that whatever picture this is is in the bath yeah. as well. <laughs> well, because it's 100% yeah. waterproof. Like ah. a, the, the vast majority of my rechargeable ones are 100% waterproof, so you can yeah. take it in the bath with you. Nice. Sorry, I love the tricolor one. I think that needs to show. Tell me about the tricolor yeah. one. What's going on with this? It's so a this ride is Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Riding for Ireland. Yeah. Um, it's not a vibrator. It's just a dildo. It's 100% silicone. Um, I made it last year. Well, I I didn't personally make it. I I got my one of my favorite manufacturers. Um, this gang down in Madrid called BS Atelier. It's just a, a little female founded silicone manufacturer, and um. 
And so I wanted to do something for the centenary, and I wanted to do something for the abortion rights campaign yep. around the centenary. So I got tricolor dildos made. Amazing. So I, I was just going to sell them just for, for 2016, and then kind of realized that they were becoming popular. I and, love that. <laughs> and, you know, we, we have the referendum coming up, like, yep. next spring. So I, yeah, I, I really wanted to do something for them. So 15 euros from each each sale of the of the tricolor dildos go to the, the abortion rights campaign. That's amazing. Yeah. And you could scream Chucky when you're coming because it doesn't <laughs> Chucky Arlo, I mean our, our day is coming. Our day will I come. Thought you Chucky! Meant, I thought you meant like the weird Chucky doll for a yeah. second. <laughs> I was just like, where have we gone? What's happening? <laughs> Chucky Arlo, yeah. 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 Um, before we go, I do want to talk one more thing about, and that's pornography and it's because we were talking about shame earlier and stuff like this one of the myths that we had um, debunked on her.ie as well was about uh, that women don't enjoy porn again I think it's kind of more just that women don't talk about it as much Mm -hmm. but what do you guys feel you like porn are you into porn yeah and I mean it's so funny the way it's like women don't do this and women don't enjoy mm. this like women are sexual as well 100% and I think those myths are born from um, uh, ye olde Ireland where History. women weren't allowed to be sexual yeah. uh, of course like yeah. I, everyone I was enjoys actually, everything have you seen the Netflix documentary Easy or it's not a documentary it's a show Easy, Easy. A, is it or? no it's just Easy I okay. saw the pre or the trailer for it but I haven't watched it yet it's really really good so yeah. it's, it's just snapshots of different people's relationships and uh, one of them is uh, sex work so mm-hmm. she's um yeah so she's a prostitute and she talks about it and she makes so much money so I was watching it with my mother and um, there was lots of like graphic sex in the episode and my mom was just like well that's that's porn and I was like mm, well it's, it's not porn it's a show and uh, and then my mother says but how do you know what porn is and I was like because I know what porn is like yeah, I've yeah. watched porn and she wasn't offended or anything it was probably the first time we'd ever she's like that's porn yeah we, it was the first time that we'd ever spoken about porn I was like mom I'll show you porn if you want to sh-. and then it just got weird and I was like alright let's, <laughs> let's not watch porn together yeah um, but I, it, I also... she seemed shocked by the fact that I had openly said that I watch porn yeah what I love about the porn industry is that it's changing to be more again like like sex toys it's changing to be more um like female friendly we're we're seeing far more um female directors and producers um and, and that's really come from like the age of the internet where we now have porn studios in our back pocket everybody has an iphone yeah um you can you can start up your own thing it's very uh democratic so a few places that i love and i think you guys mentioned a couple of them is erica lust is probably my favorite director she is Oh my God, she is not only an incredible director, she's an incredible businesswoman. Like, her PR skills are brilliant. Like, she's probably the top um, female porn director in the world now. And she just makes these incredible erotic shorts um, for every taste, every taste imaginable. And I just, I I love her to bits. Another really good one is um, Lucy Makes Porn. She's a German director and producer. Okay. So it's Lucy L-U-C-I-E makesporn.com and then uh, and then another place I'm learning so much yeah Yeah, I'm taking note Um, (laughs) another great um, queer production group is Pink and White Mm -hmm. so pinkandwhite.com I think it is and they're they're American they're just a, a group of great queer directors and producers 
I love that people's opinions towards porn are changing. Like you said, the industry is changing as well. It's no longer that kind of seedy, like awful, terrible, scripted yeah. pieces as well. Because I like to get a little bit out of my porn. You know, I yeah. like to know what the story is. I like to know and how it's I going. I like the sites where it's real people as well. Yeah. well no, I say real people, just like general, not porn stars, basically. Yeah. So people in relationships and stuff can, yeah. can start a porn channel. I think they're kind of um, good as well. Absolutely. I've basically come out of like women and the queer community being like porn doesn't have to be the way that it's always been like we we can make it awesome yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. it's fun and it's exciting as well yeah. like I remember when I was with my boyfriend we would uh, this is anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> we would like be excited for our porn evenings you know we'd make a night of it and yeah it was, and that's the fun. thing as well like porn isn't just for one person it can be absolutely for your partner as well yeah yeah great crack yeah um, so James tell me what you have coming up for yourself what's going on with you at the moment in the world of Snapchat and influencers and everything you're blowing up obviously but tell me what's next for you food is next actually really uh, yeah I've just uh, written this is bad I can't, I've just written something I can't say how it, is that how you say I've written a cookbook yeah yeah so me and my uh, wrote my, my boyfriend wrote I wrote a cookbook I, I wrote a cookbook I, I, I've, I've, I have, I have written, written I have written a cookbook I wrote yeah <laughs> there's good English in the cookbook don't worry <laughs> okay. like, uh, I'm going to lose my job anyway yeah. after this so it doesn't matter <laughs> you have an we, editor yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> you have an editor it's penguin it's legit uh, you wrote a cookbook incredible yeah. congratulations so we have a catering business at the moment called Curabini mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah we've just finished off the cookbook um, it's gone to design now then it goes to print in February wow. and it's out next October so it's a while away but that's that's kind of taken over my life for the past couple of months I'm also Presenting on Ireland's Got More Talent with Glenda Gilson. Oh, no way. So, yeah, I'm doing Amazing. food stuff and presenting stuff. So, Tell that airs on at the end of January. What kind of food are we talking here? Like, what's your piece de resistance? What's your dish of choice? Well, our William went to Ballymaloo. So, um, it's very much uh, like centered around local, organic. Um, we're not going down a kind of health food route like protein balls and stuff. Okay. We love butter, we love cream, mm. um, we so love it's all the good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we like to think we're like little gay. Nigella's <laughs> if, if you can imagine that did this come from was it something that you just enjoy doing together and then you decided why not like put down the recipes and stuff yeah like William went to art school he did four years in sculpture and then he came out and he kind of realised like you know his friends what, what there's not a huge amount of jobs for me yes. so he went to Ballymaloo and did the cookery course there and um, you know he still practices art um, but needed something to support him but then found a massive love of food I was also working in food PR so we kind of came together and yeah. decided we'd start catering events um, and yeah it just kind of exploded from there and um, because I have a following I guess on Snapchat people are always like are you are you at a market or are you, yeah. you going to start a food blog so we kind of got confidence from from the followers yeah. wanting it so then we uh, did it and we've been doing it three years now and Amazing. got approached to a cookbook the cookbook's coming out we're opening up a cafe next August oh incredible yeah. do you have a name for the cookbook yet the Curabini cookbook nice yeah. where's yeah, the cafe yeah. going to open we're hoping well Dublin but um, we're hoping around the kind of Rathgar area lovely Amazing. yeah, yeah nice. so you'll have to come I will absolutely tell me what's next for you Shauna sex shopper sex shopper well aside from our campaign to get a mm. shop started yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to pop absolutely. up absolutely yeah. um 
yeah, I am going to celebrate the heck out of my, my five-year anniversary. Absolutely. I hope um, you have a party. I, I would love to have a party. I will probably organize. I'm just, I need to get past Christmas first <laughs> and, then, and then I will yeah. celebrate. Um, and then, yeah, 2018, hopefully doing more speaking tours. Like I, I speak at colleges and at festivals and stuff. Yeah. So if anyone wants to book me to come in and talk about sex. Yeah, well, I it's great. That. And to be honest, thank you so much for coming on and talking so openly because both of what you're doing, I think, is really, really good. And it is about just getting the word out there more and letting people know, especially young people, James, that follow you and stuff, that mm. it is completely okay to talk about sex, to ask lots of questions, because ultimately then they'll learn more and ultimately, you know, any kind of STI stats that we have will hopefully go down. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's what I think the key is, talking about it in a casual sense. Exactly. Yeah. And not in a, oh, I yeah. know we all do that initially, but mm. try and stop doing that. Yeah. Because the more you kind of gasp before you talk about sex or whisper about yeah. it, the more you're just, you're continuing the taboo. Exactly, yeah. Talk about it openly at 10 a.m. on a Friday. On the bus. On the bus. <laughs> on the Lewis. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Talk about it all the time. Watch porn with your mom. Do whatever yeah. you want to do. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Kat. So that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much to my panel, James Kavanagh and Shauna Scott. Paul Donegan was on sound. Dara Dynamite was helping me out today on social. We're doing a very special show next week on homelessness. So don't forget to subscribe. I'm Neve Marr and I'll chat to you next week.